What is up? Happy Tuesday. Welcome back. This is Football Life Presents the Audible episode 40. We are over the hill. I am your host, Randy Hammond, uh, back at you with you again with another Christmas sweater because it's Christmas week, baby. We made it. Unbelievable. It's almost the end of the year. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Bushnell. Matt, week 15 in the books. What the hell happened to 2020? I, I don't know, but I'm glad it's almost over with, Randy. Talk about a damn year. I mean, we could reflect on the great Super Bowl that we saw when Kansas City beat San Francisco. Uh, it's really an awesome Super Bowl. Uh, the hideous Pro Bowl, of course. Uh, the shortened baseball season. The NFL not getting their stuff together. The little pandemic that we're going through. You know, no jokes intended. Very serious. But this season, it, it feels like a roller coaster. Are they going to cancel a week? Are they going to play this week? How many games in a row are the Steelers going to play in consecutive days? I mean, all of it has just been crazy, Randy. Mm -hmm. One more week to go of the Audible for 2020. Congratulations. Yeah, same to you, buddy. It's been a hell of a year. We did start at the beginning of this year, for those who've been following the whole time. It's been almost a whole year in the books for us, and for all the podcasts, for that matter. So what a year to start. I mean, there's been so much that happened, so... Uh, we'll have time to reflect uh, probably more so once the playoffs start, but we got a lot of stuff to talk about, Matt, because we are just doing one show a week now, and we got some games to recap, we got some games to preview, we got some news, we got all this stuff, and it's a busy time of the year for football, and it is the start of the NBA season, so if you're not over in Ball's Life, go check that out, go talk about some NBA over there. I got my Lakers banner behind me, shout out to my cousin Bobby for getting me this as an early Christmas gift, because the Lakers hung up another banner. So I want to give him a quick shout out and say congrats, uh, thanks to him. And then uh, Leon and Jacob, go check those guys out in the step back tomorrow because uh, the NBA season's back tonight. But despite that, tipping off tonight, but we're in the, the home stretch of the NFL season. And one team is free falling more so than we even could have predicted here, Matt. After starting 11-0, the Pittsburgh Steelers were primed for the one seed. Maybe we were talking undefeated season. We were talking about the only team that could beat the Chiefs. And since then, they have now lost three in a row. And the Steelers losing on Monday Night Football to the Cincinnati Bengals with Brian Finley, a quarterback. Matt, I don't know even – like, I know that the Steelers were playing bad and they even won some games close and it didn't look that good. But no one could have seen a loss to the Bengals coming like this. It's interesting. Maybe if we said they had Joe Burrow, we could see it. Joe Burrow pulling a rabbit yeah. out of his ass. But, man, Ryan fucking Finley – and you lose this game on Monday night, 27 to 17. The defense looks bad. And granted, may, maybe we downplayed the significance of Bud Dupree, Randy. Maybe mm -hmm. he's just so instrumental to this defense. My feeling on the Steelers goes into three parts. One, I cannot imagine. They have not had a bye week since September. Like, that having to play that many games, not to get a mental break, just to unplug. And even when they were supposed to have like that kind of mini buy that Thursday, and then mm -hmm. you get the entire week off. Oh, oh, contraire, mon frere. You're not getting that time off. So now they're just in this mode and it's snowballing bad defense. The secondary is not playing well. I, I don't believe Fitzpatrick or Joe Hayden are healthy. I don't care what anyone says. And then you got this knucklehead, you know, Charles Barkley, big knucklehead. This is terrible, 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 terrible. <laughs> Dancing on the Bengals logo. Mm. Like, what the fuck is wrong with Juju Smith-Schuster? What is mm. wrong with you? Like, you did it last week and you got your teeth kicked in. You did it again this week. Like, just stop this shit. Someone on that team, whether it's Roethlisberger, whether it's 
the Castro, the offensive lineman, whether it's Fitzpatrick, uh, TJ Watt, somebody needs to go to him and tell him to knock this shit off because literally it's putting a bullseye on a lot of guys' backs. Mike Tomlin, hello. <laughs> Mike Tomlin did a good job with handling Antonio Brown for years. And so it finally fell apart in 2018, though. But <laughs> Mike Tomlin, hello. Like, get, like hey, maybe uh, don't go and dance on the other team's logo, you know, this week because it clearly is putting a target on our back. And you saw it with the Bills, and they noticed it, and they, they said that. And they're like, hey, we didn't really like that he did that. I mean, this goes back to, like, T.O. when he was on the Niners disrespecting the Cowboys star. Like, just something, like, you just don't disrespect the other team's logo like that. You're asking for attention that you don't even need. Like, Juju Smith-Schuster, you're already a good football player. They already have their eyes on you. Now you're drawing extra attention and giving them more motivation to punch you in the face and that's what happened and there's a big hit from Von Bell on Juju Smith-Schuster in this game and you could just tell the Bengals were like no we're not going to let this little he's like 21 22 years old he's a young kid he's Gen Zer on the, on the TikTok and everything like I, whatever I, I understand like being a part of it doing it but like you, you got to separate that from your professional life and this is your professional life and it's what you do is very dangerous so you can't give other teams motivation because you want to be uh, uh you know a tiktok star so uh juju finishing with three for 15 on six targets and he obviously took that one big hit so not a great game for the Steelers and I'll comes back to this to me um I when we talked before the season I went back and looked at it we thought the Steelers would be a 500 team because or maybe a little bit better than a 500 team because they were 500 last year with a great defense and they had uh, Mason Rudolph and Doc Hodges playing quarterback like Big Ben can't be worse than those guys and we were right but now you're starting to see Big Ben's age catch up to him and it is partially due to the bye week but it's also he's 37 years old he's been in the league for 17 years he's already coming off of an injury so I don't know Matt you look more into it is it his arm strength is like he can't extend plays like he used to to me it just feels like that the age of Ben Roethlisberger and how many hits he's taken over his career and all the injuries are now starting to finally catch up to him you know the old saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks and that's (laughs) kind of like what we have with Ben here because what's going on with him is the style that he played was you know what I can shrug off the sacks so I can hold on to the ball a little bit longer and I can make plays you know, inside the pocket because I'm not going to go down as easily. Well, that, you know, that's not working anymore. Teams aren't scared of his arm strength because the Steelers can't throw the football downfield. All their yards are coming out on the yak, you know, yards after catch. Right now, the Steelers are in a terrible position because they're not getting separation at the wide receiver position. Their offensive line looks terrible. I, they can't block it up on pass protection. They can't block it up on the running game. There's no threat from James Conner. Like, I don't want to play like the sky is falling in Pittsburgh, but there's some serious shit going on here. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a football season's about attrition. Can you handle it? It is a grind. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon, you know, and I know we say that about baseball and football only has 16 games right now, soon to go to 17, but you just constantly get pounded on, pounded on, pounded on all year long. And just how can your body hold up? And usually it's a team that's the healthiest at the end that also has the best talent that's hoisting that Lombardi trophy. I I think this is it for the Steelers, Randy. I don't see a formula for them to win a playoff game in that AFC. I don't know how they, and, and we may be looking at a Cleveland Brown AFC North divisional champion. 
I was going to get to that because the Steelers have the Colts coming up this Sunday who are, are fighting for a division championship and a playoff spot. So they're not going to just lay lay down for the Steelers. And then the Browns week 17 have not beaten the Steelers uh, to me in a legit way. Obviously they beat them in that, that Mason Rudolph, Miles Garrett helmet game last year. But to me, this could be, uh, you know, 20 plus years of misery for the Browns culminating in what could be a glorious uh, NFC North championship in week 17. And uh, yeah, that would be a, a hell of a thing. And that would be in the Steelers when they lost five straight. And then probably, I, I can't imagine they'd win the playoffs, the playoff game at that point, because they, you might get the Titans, you might get the Colts again. You know, I don't like those matchups. All those AFC playoff teams are tough. And that means you would lose six in a row to end your season. It would be one of the weirder seasons I can remember. And I was looking up some of this stuff because I had posted earlier um, that they were the first team since the merger to win 11 straight and then lose three in a row after. That was a tweet from Rich Eisen, which was technically wrong because the 69 Rams also started 11-0, and then they lost four in a row to end their season. So uh, it's pretty comparable to that, I would say, um, although I don't know specifics. But to me, this, 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 the second that Bud Dupree goes down, you already lost Devin Bush. Your defense clearly isn't the same. The Steelers, um, you know, 11 wins in a row is a hell of a feat, but, you know, you did it at the wrong time to me, and in, in NFL it's a lot about timing. Yeah, and Corey Richmond says it pretty well in the comments. I mean, that loss to the Raiders by the Browns looms large right now. Because mm-hmm. you could be looking at, like, even if the Steelers win next week, you would still theoretically be in play for that divisional championship. I don't know how yep. it plays out. I think the Steelers actually own most of the tiebreakers over the Browns. So, you know, you can't lose to the Raiders, you know. A lot of teams aren't. Yeah, well, the Raiders are super frisky. So, I mean, at the time, Browns aren't more as good then as they are now. So, uh, you know, obviously you can't go back and change outcomes, but you can control what you can control now. And the Browns have a real chance to win the division here. Um, the Bengals, 3-10-1 now. You, you got to be optimistic if you're a Bengals fan. When Joe Burrow comes back, you can draft an offensive lineman. You're cool. Um, as far as the Steelers, they went from the one seed down to the three seed Buffalo jumps over them because they own the tiebreaker over them. They beat them head-to-head just last weekend. So, Steelers uh, – this is a full-blown free-fall at this point. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say about it other than that. Uh, it's crazy that once a team that we saw thought could potentially go undefeated is now going to be, you know, potentially one and done here. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's time to write that narrative. All right, moving on now to the other primetime game of the week featuring my New York uh, kind of football-playing Giants. Um, <laughs> this game was flexed once the Giants defeated the Seattle Seahawks a couple weeks ago and was a huge win uh, for the Giants and for the franchise that had, had not had one like that in such a long time. So, obviously, it was big. Um, but uh, Daniel Jones is hurt, and he did not play in this game. Colt McCoy here uh, with – now with uh, Freddie Kitchens calling plays because Jason Garrett is put on the uh, COVID-19 list. James Bradbury also placed on the COVID-19 list. The Giants defense, you know, played played hard, played well, I thought, for the most part. But this was all – Baker Mayfield playing pretty well here in this game. They still ran the ball pretty effectively. The Browns get a 20-6 to win over the Giants. Uh, some questionable calls by the Giants coaching staff, which I'll get into here. But, Matt, what were your initial reactions from this one? You know, I think it was weird for the majority of the game because you see the first two possessions or the first three possessions for the Giants. First one ends turnover on downs. Second one ends with a field goal. And then their third one ends with turnover on downs where we see the Browns, they also turn over on downs and then Mm -hmm. they get a touchdown and they follow that up with another touchdown. So 
when you're trading field goals and turnover on downs for touchdowns, most likely you're going to end up losing that game. The Giants just lack anything offensively to make, you know, anything more than what it is. Like, I think against bad offenses, they can do things, you know, they can right. keep the offense in the game. And if they can run the football, obviously it helps. But this is a try-hard team based on Joe Judge. You know, I, the coach uh-huh. is right. I, I think we can, you know, every Giants fan can feel pretty good that, yeah, you know what, you got the right guy at the head coach position. Quarterback is one of those things where you, you just, you feel like it's starting over. Because Daniel Jones ain't the guy. Colt McCoy comes in there. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be nice to Daniel Jones in this. He's going to get another crack, I think, or maybe he should. There's rumors that he might not, but... You know, I'm not going to delve into the rumors. What you see from Daniel Jones is major regression. Everything you kind of feared in year one that he didn't turn out to be is what he kind of turned out to be in year two. And I know we Mm -hmm. talk about playmakers and how he doesn't have help. You know, he he has some things there. Like Wayne Gallman is not a bad running back. Darius Slayton. Um, is it, I, I think he's a pretty decent wide receiver. Yeah, he's not the best, but he's okay. Sterling Shepard's okay. Evan Engram's out there. Like these guys have talent, and we always go back to: is it the quarterback or is it the talent around the quarterback that elevates the quarterback or elevates that talent? And I think it's a little bit of both. They both feed off each other. But yeah. Daniel Jones wasn't out there making guys better this year. That's the thing. Like you want a guy who can make guys better. And I look at a guy like Joe Burrow who immediately went into a situation in Cincinnati with nothing and made everyone around him better almost immediately and completely changed that franchise around. Justin Herbert, besides Keenan Allen has some decent weapons here and there, but I don't think they have a great, you know, uh, arsenal of weapons by any means. He made the rest of those guys better. Like Jalen Guyton, for example, like he turned that guy into something. Um, Daniel Jones, like he's fine when the things go right around him. And this is the same thing with Eli Manning. If he had proper protection and guys got open, he could make all the right plays you could want him to make. But when things go bad, he doesn't elevate. He doesn't mask a lot of those issues. And the thing with me, I think that I think judge especially does not like is the turnover problems, especially the fumbles, because even when you get sacked, you can still hold on to the football. Everyone has gotten like every quarterback has been sacked for their history of time in the NFL. And not everyone fumbles the ball, what feels like every single time uh, Jones has to get better at ball security. If they give him another chance next year, which I think they do, he has to show that he can hang on to the football because he's had some backbreaking turnovers. And a lot of those losses early in the season were on him because of it. So uh, I, I think that the turnovers are a huge problem and they're not this coaching staff. I don't think is going to tolerate it for, for another season so um the 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 problem i had with some of the 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 things in this game like joe judge afterwards said like field goals weren't gonna win this game fine i understand that but you're losing 13 to 3 at halftime if you kick the other two field goals when you're in field goal position you're losing 13 to 9 that's a pretty respectable ball game at that point you're not down 10 you're right in it I understand you don't want to kick field goals every time whatever but you have colt mccoy in the game i feel like you should take every all the points you can get at that point and then the first possession, when you had the turnover run downs, you're in field goal range. You run a fake field goal and have your punter throw to your center who's triple covered in the end zone. <laughs> I'm fine with the decision to go for it. Leave your quarterback out there. Make a, like, have a traditional fake field goal. But this decision in particular was questionable to me to run that play there. 
that, that I did not like the play call. I, I don't mind the decision. I don't like the play call. To me, if you take those points, you know, you're down 13 uh, to nine, the Browns only score one more touchdown. So you can get another field goal. You're right in the game still at this point. You're then you lose by two touchdowns instead because you don't do that. But I understand field goals don't win games. But if you, field goals can keep you in games, um, I don't know if you should overthink it too much in that situation. Especially Colt McCoy, he played okay, 19 of 31, 221 yards. But um, I would have just preferred to take the points in that scenario. So, uh, And, Matt, you know, another good game for Baker Mayfield before we move on. Uh, 27 of 32, 297 yards, two touchdowns. I thought he looked really sharp in this game, and it wasn't even like the greatest running back performance that he's ever had. And spreading the ball around to a bunch of guys, I thought he looked really good. Yeah, this is the Baker Mayfield that Browns fans wanted to see. I mean, he he's here now, and I think uh-huh. he's more comfortable in the system. I, I it just goes back to you got the right coach. You know, we always say coaching, coaching, coaching. Daniel Jones, right coach. Cleveland has the right coach in Greg Stefanski. He is so good at design plays. Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski. I'm sorry. Gosh. Kevin Stefanski. I Show some respect now. to the coach of the year. <laughs> That's right. I mean, honestly, he is the coach of the year right now. 10 and 4, the Browns. I think I we both had them around 10 or 11 wins, so we may have nailed this. But I, I go back to 27 to 32. That's what I look at. That is beyond respectable beyond good that that is a great game by baker mayfield against a try hard defense not the greatest defense out there talent wise but defenses can elevate themselves by effort you know it's a lot about effort and you hold teams to 20 points a game those are games that you should be able to win in today's nfl Mm -hmm. you should be able to put up 21 points a game so we take a look at what baker mayfield did i mean it may not have been flashy all the time, but it was efficient. It was good, making the right decisions, making the right reads. Uh, obviously, the Giants respected the play action a whole hell of a lot. Uh-huh. So, you know, I, I tip my hat. You know, Nick Chubb, you know, they limited him to 50 yards and 15 carries. Nothing wrong with there. Kareem Hunt for seven for 21. So uh, it was a good game and a good game plan by Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, the offensive play calling that much different with uh... – Freddie Kitchens uh, than, than uh, Jason Garrett. So Giants need a little bit of an overhaul here on offense. Uh, get a, get a, a smart play caller in there. Maybe some, get some more weapons. Uh, you know, Golden Tate not getting much separation these days. Sterling Shepard not doing too much. Uh, Evan Ingram, we'll talk about him a little later because I have some thoughts on him making the Pro Bowl, which is shocking. But, um, yeah, so uh, uneventful game for the Giants. They fall to 5-9, and nine and they could very easily lose out and finish last in the NFCs, which is crazy considering where we were two weeks ago after that win against Seattle, thinking that they could win the division. So the NFL is a week-to-week league, and anything can happen at any given time, and that's why we love it so much here, Matt. Uh, all right, we have a whole rest of a slate of games that were pretty good. I enjoyed really watching the Red Zone on Sunday, which I really, I really liked. Um, so why don't you get us started off there in Georgia? Yeah, I bet the Falcons wish 2020 never happened. They'd be a playoff team if they could hold on to a lead. At one point, Randy, the Falcons were up 17 to nothing. And then at one point, they were up 24 to 7. They end up losing 31 to 27. Just for perspective, at halftime, well, coming out of halftime into the third quarter, they were up 24 to 7. So just looking at how awful this defense has to be to blow a lead like that consistently throughout the year is just mind-boggling. The Raheem Morris effect is just over with. Tom Brady looked dog shit awful the first half, but he finishes 31 of 45 for 390 yards, two touchdowns. 
Leonard Fournette sighting, 14 carries, 49 yards, two touchdowns. Mike Evans, six for 110. That's kind of the Mike Evans breakout game we were hoping to get. Antonio Brown, five for 93 and a touchdown. Chris Godwin, four for 36 and a touchdown. To me, this Bucks offense just feels so vulnerable. It's just, it's just a clash. It's not a good fit. And then we take a look at the other side with Matt Ryan, turn back the clock, 34 of 49, 356 yards, three touchdowns against what's supposed to be a really good defense. The Falcons didn't even try to run the football, Randy. They had 13 carries the entire game for, let me see, let me just do the math real quick in my head. 37 yards, Randy. Not good. Calvin Ridley, 10 for 163 and a touchdown. Russell Gage, 5 for 68 and a touchdown. Hayden Hurst, 4 for 21 and a touchdown. Not really close. Bucks moved to 9 and 5. Falcons, 4 and 10. Falcons will be picking in the top 10. The uh, Falcons fans, and probably Matt Ryan, really got to hate Tom Brady, I imagine. I mean, that's the second time that he's done that to them. Uh, obviously, the first one probably hurts a little bit more, but still, that's uh, that stinks for them. All right, moving on. I had both games on Saturday, and we're going to talk about the first one here, the Buffalo Bills. Now, now the two-seed in the AFC, improving to 11-3 with a 48-19 shellacking over the Denver Broncos, uh, and which a game that we thought for sure – the Broncos uh, were going to be competitive in and, and win. And uh, the Bills, just too much firepower on offense. And Pat Shermer doing uh, his classic uh, end-of-the-year collapse. Um, and his offense just was not very good at this game at all. Uh, and this was – and, you know, we've been critical, but this was a Josh challenge show. Uh, he made so many ridiculous plays in this game, 28 of 40, 359 yards, two touchdowns, and on the, on the ground, three for 33 with two touchdowns. And they ran a – Statue of Liberty play with Devin Singletary that got called back on a hold. And uh, that's typically like a college thing. So, how, I mean, the Broncos really not showing up for this game. The fact that you're going to let a, a pro team on a, a Statue of Liberty play for, on you like that. Um, and the Bills ran the ball pretty well. I don't, they, you know, they're not the greatest running team in the league and they don't really try all that much. But, you know, as a team in 24 carries for 182 yards and three touchdowns, I mean, that's, if the Bills start running the ball, they're going to be a hell of a lot more dangerous. And I know there's a lot of like Josh Allen, MVP, like, yeah, he's probably three or four of the MVP this year, I would say. But to me, the team MVP for the Bills is Stephon Diggs. And I've been adamant about that all year because you can see the difference with Josh Allen because he got his elite receiver from, from a trade. And this is like a win-win trade because the Vikings ended up getting Justin Jefferson out of it. But um, Stephon Diggs, 11 for 147 yards and a 50-yard, 55-yarder for a long. I mean, the guy just makes plays after plays each and every week. Cole Beasley also playing really well, 8 for 112. So, you know, they have weapons. Josh Allen's making plays. The Bills, two-seed. I guess now they probably jump to Steelers at this point as the team that could give the Chiefs the most problems. I know we've already seen it, um, but I don't know who else in the AFC would be able to give the Chiefs, the many issues is the Bills. I mean, their offense is clicking on all cylinders right now. So um, as far as the Broncos go, it's going to be a losing season for John Elway. Another one, five and nine, Drew Locke, uh, 20 and 32, 132 yards, touchdown, no picks. Uh, they ran the ball okay. I mean, Melvin Gordon's having a pretty decent year. All things considered, 11 carries, 61 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and, you know, I, I just think that they're in a little bit of a, a weird spot because I don't know if they, they're confident in Drew Locke, if they want to bring him back. I think they will. Uh, I do think they're so talented to the point where you give them another year with the team that has a good roster around it and see what he can do. Um, but I think for the most part, this is a lost year for the Broncos. And uh, yeah, they're going to be picking pretty high in the draft as well. 
Yeah, I got, I got a feeling the Drew Locke experiment may be over with at the end of this year. And I think really? Vic Fangio may be out the door, too, okay. un- unfortunately. But moving on to a team that Vic Fangio was a defensive coordinator for, Randy, the San Francisco 49ers versus the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, my God. This game, <laughs> oh, our guy Henry Maldonado Jr., this had to be painful to stomach. Cowboys win 41 to 33. The big story here is Robbie Gold attempts an onside kick and CD Lamb returns an onside kick 47 yards for a touchdown. Oh, just awful. Fantasy owners, this was not one of the prettier games because Andy Dalton went 19 to 33 for 209 yards and two touchdowns. And it's significant because the two touchdowns probably did not go to anybody that really may have started this week. Michael Gallup had three catches for 26 yards and a touchdown, and Dalton Schultz had two for 14 and a touchdown. Well, good good news for me because I started Tony Pollard and Dalton Schultz. So (laughs) There you go. You got three touchdowns out of this game. (laughs) C.D. Lamb did five for 85. Tony Pollard, six for 63 in the air, and he followed up with 12 for 69 on the ground and those two touchdowns for Randy Hammond, who was a Cowboys (sighs) fan on this fateful Sunday game. Then we look at the – oh, God, the 49ers, Randy. The 49ers. Nick Mullins. For anyone who thought Nick Mullins was a possible NFL starter, this was a slap you in the face, welcome back to reality moment. 21 of 36, 219 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, awful. C.J. Beathard comes in, tries to do his best Superman impersonation. Five for seven, 100 yards, one touchdown. Uh, The running game was okay. Mostert had 14 carries for 68 yards, no touchdowns. Jeff Wilson, 16 for 60 in a touchdown. Kendrick Bourne, four catches, 86 yards and a touchdown. Really has turned himself into a nice wide receiver. Brandon Ayuk may have been one of the sneaky picks in the draft. Not anymore. Everyone knows about you, Brandon Ayuk. Nine catches for 73 yards and a touchdown has really played well. Both these teams are five and nine, Randy. I don't think it's realistic. The Cowboys win their division. It's out there. It's possible. Maybe. It's possible. <laughs> Unlikely. Well, they, they need a lot of help, but they could do it. Uh, God, that'd be hilarious. Um, but also, there's some Zeke news. I mean, the Cowboys looking like they might move on from Zeke. He was a he was you know scratched from this game about an hour ahead of time, which is why I started Pollard to begin with. But Pollard looked so much better than Zeke did in that game. Then you know Zeke's looked slow and had turnover issues all year and Pollard came in and was like a boost of speed and uh, had great hands like he just made plays and there's a long touchdown at the end or he broke a couple tackles and you're just not getting that play from Zeke anymore so uh, just goes back to my thoughts on you just don't pay running backs it's just never worth it and uh, minus a couple guys I mean Derrick Henry's working out for now but you know maybe at the end he won't I don't know but you know Zeke not looking too hot right now for the Cowboys. We're going to move on now to the team who should have drafted Brandon Ayuk, and that was the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they could really use a wide receiver, too, alongside Devontae Adams. But instead, they had to pick a quarterback. But maybe they knew what they were doing because we get uh, the FU Aaron Rodgers. But the FU Aaron Rodgers didn't play too hot in this game. Uh, he 20-29, 143 yards, and a touchdown. He struggled. He only had a QBR of 59 against the Panthers defense, which is a bottom 10 defense in the league. Pretty surprising. We actually thought he was going to pile it on here. And the, the, Packers, def- uh, the Packers offense came out. They looked really good. They had three touchdowns in the first quarter. Uh, Aaron Jones, 20, 145, 24, 145 in a touchdown. He looked great. 
Uh, and Rodgers, you know, he spread the ball around, and this is a relatively quiet game for Devontae Adams. He only had seven for 42, which might have something to do with the overall performance of Rodgers in general. But I'm surprised by how many times Carolina was in the backfield hitting Rodgers, sacking Rodgers. Um, it's just – it felt like to me that the the the, the, uh, the Packers' offensive line just could not hold up for Rodgers, and I was pretty surprised. Um, they had, uh, Panthers had five sacks in this game. Uh, I don't think Rodgers ever gets hit that much, and they had, you know, seven tackles for loss. Like, the Panthers' defensive line really came up and brought it in this game. But uh, the Panthers obviously don't have enough offensively. Teddy Bridgewater had some brutal turnovers, uh, or at least one brutal turnover in the red zone. He dove for the end zone itself, and the ball would get knocked out. And it was returned by the Packers all the way into Panthers territory. So that was a huge swing in that game. And then Bridgewater, 21-35, 258 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. To me, the Panthers are in quarterback purgatory. Like, I like Teddy Bridgewater as a guy, but you gave him a ton of money to be your starter. And I don't think he's your long-term solution. So I don't know what the Panthers do. We're going to talk more about them a little later because they had some shakeups in the front office here. Um, but, you know, they're kind of talented on offense. They obviously didn't have CMC all year, but, um, you know, you need some better, more help on the defensive side of the ball. Your coach is still brand new. Uh, you need to bring in a guy who's going to help you develop this roster a little bit better. And you might need to make a change at the quarterback position because I think you need more than what Teddy gives you at this point. But, yeah, Packers, they get the win regardless, 11-3, still the number one seed in the NFC. And, you know, it's probably going to go through Lambeau, fans or not. I think that's still a good uh, home field advantage this year. So, there you go. Packers, Packers, Chiefs head and graders. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to a team that's definitely going to the playoffs, unlike the Panthers. But much like the Packers, the Tennessee Titans roll all over those Detroit Lions and Leon Tompkins' top 10 offense. I'm just going to cut this short and sweet, Randy. Matthew Stafford gets pulled after the third quarter to put in Chase Daniel. Makes zero sense to me. Absolutely zero sense why you make this move. Because even if you were to move on, Chase Daniel's not your answer. He's not a young guy. You're not looking for him to get reps. Just let Stafford go out there and play. He started the game. If he wasn't healthy enough to start, he wouldn't have thrown 22 of 32 for 252 and a touchdown. Just completely sad to see that Matthew Stafford era. And DeAndre Sift, 15 carries, six, seven yards, two touchdowns. But really, that's it. Marvin Jones had 10 catches for 112 yards and a touchdown. But you know what, Randy? The snow is falling. The air is a little brisk. The ball doesn't travel quite as beautifully in the air as it does in September, but it's a certain type of season. The holiday season, right? Or a different kind of season? It's a different kind of season, but you're close. One that hurts more. Hurt, Yes, it hurts. It's something that you want to do when the weather's not so... um, not so pristine your your body gets bruised a little easier tractor cedo season my tongue 24 for 147 yards one touchdown i believe if his next two games he rushes for 170 a piece he's at the 2000 yard mark he always seems to hover around that but just amazing production from Derrick Henry in the last eight games of every season. Ryan Tannehill, what can you say? Opportunistic. He found new life. We scoffed at the contract, but now we all look like idiots. 21 of 27 for 273 yards and three touchdowns. The Corey, Corey Davis showed up, Randy, four for 110 and a touchdown. Junu, Janu Smith, five catches for 52 yards. A.J. Brown, five for 44 and a touchdown. 
Dierton Evans, two for 27 and a touchdown. I will say this, depending on who they get in the playoffs, Tennessee is a very dangerous team. If they could play a little bit of defense, they may be the team that can face the Chiefs in the AFC title game, depending on where their seed falls. Yeah, my concern is the defense. Uh, I don't know, you know, if the Chiefs score two quick touchdowns, how does that affect the Titans? Because obviously they are ground and pound, Derrick Henry running the ball type team. When you're down, it, it affects your game plan a little bit. And I like Ryan Tannehill. I think he's actually played really well this year and no one really is talking about it. But uh, I worry about them going down to the Chiefs and not being able to stop them much because their defense is a little suspect. But they're playing as good as anyone right now. It's, it's hard to deny, right? Yeah, well, and, and let's not kid ourselves. I mean, Tennessee's ten and four, and Kansas City's you know thirteen and one right now. No one, the Chiefs will not lose another meaningful game the rest of the year. Like it, it, it's done with. The Chiefs have locked up home field advantage in the AFC playoffs, so they could, th- in theory, lose two games. Who cares? They still get the bye week. We have no idea what the Chiefs are going to end with, but I guarantee you, they will not lose another meaningful game. All right. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, I know some people are rooting against it, so we would be wrong. But, I mean, just watch the Chiefs, and uh, they're, they're just coasting to me, and I just think that they can turn it on to a whole other level after, uh, once the playoffs start. Uh, all right. The Titans, tractor Cedar season. Congratulations, 10-4. and four, And now to their division rival, the, tennis, the two division rivals, I should say, the Indianapolis Colts also 10-4 and four now after a 27-20 win over the Houston Texans. Uh, they also beat the Texans just two weeks ago, so this is a – series sweep in 2020 uh you know this is just a complete game from the colts team who was a pretty complete team overall uh they run the ball pretty well they get competent quarterback play from philip rivers despite me not liking him too much he gets the job done and they play good defense um rivers 22 of 28 228 yards with two touchdowns you know no turnovers that's what you're looking for from philip rivers at this point in his career that's a that's a good game you know you don't want any turnovers he makes some good throws um and he doesn't kill you with any sort of crazy mistakes your offensive line keeps him on his feet, which is big too. And then they run the ball really well. Jonathan Taylor starting to come into his own, 16 for 83 and a touchdown. Naheem Hines, 5 for 43. Overall, you get 120-plus yards rushing as a team. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, Phillip Rivers spreading the ball around. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different receivers. That's what a veteran quarterback does. Zach Pascal, 5 for 79 and two touchdowns. You never really know. He spreads the ball around so well, you're not really sure who's going to find the end zone each and every week. It could be T.Y. Hilton. It could be Michael Pittman. It could be one of the tight ends. Um, but, you know, they have a very complete roster of the Colts. And it's the best compliment I could pay them. Like, they don't really have a ton of weaknesses. And I would say the weak, biggest weakness is the quarterback. But even then, like, he still has the ability to play serviceable. So, uh, the Colts 10-4 and four with the Titans now. I think they split the season series. Um, so, I'm interested to see how it shakes out with who wins the division and who gets uh, the wild card. But I wouldn't want to play either of those teams in the playoffs. I, I mean, if I'm a team, like, even the Bills, like, if I'm, if I'm not really trying to play either of those two teams, I think they're going he gave you uh, some real problems. As far as the Texans go, four and ten now. Uh, you, you don't really have a pick to look forward to. You're kind of just in football purgatory, and all you really have each and every week to look forward to is watching Deshaun Watson play football because he's still very good. Uh, he's 33 of 41, 373 yards, two touchdowns in this game. Uh, he's making it work with not a ton to work with. Uh, David Johnson citing eight for 27 yards on the ground. Uh, and he had 11 catches for 106 yards. So, you know, he, he's putting, making that late push for a thousand, a thousand baby. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Brandon Cooks got, came back in this game, six for 59. Uh, and, 
not a whole lot else, but, but, you know, if you're watching the Texans game, you're, you're just happy that you get to watch Deshaun Watson and not much else because it's going to be a while for the Texans. And there's a hashtag for Texans fans that I've been noticing on, on Twitter and it's protect Deshaun Watson at all costs. So I got, he plays professional football. So unless you're an offensive lineman, you can't really protect him or do anything like that. Um, but you're going to be a while before you can actually start to properly build a team around him. And it might be too late at that point. I don't know. Uh, but the Colts, congratulations, 10 and four, you and the Titans uh, have been a joy to watch all season and look forward to watching both of you in the playoffs. Yeah. You just feel for Deshaun Watson, but you know who used to be an MVP discussion. And I think we can just go ahead and, you know, put the tombstone on that grave for MVP. It's done. It's done. It's done. <laughs> Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks moved to 10 and four. They beat the Washington football team 20 to 15. And there are so many storylines here. Dwayne Haskins, 38 of 55. They threw the ball 55 times, Randy, with Dwayne Haskins. Let's just let this sit in for a second. They threw the ball in a game that was 20 to 15, 55 times. I, I, I love Chico. And I think he has done a magnificent job. If it wasn't Kevin Stefanski coach of the year, maybe Ron Rivera should get some love over in Washington, but he needed to go over whoever the hell is calling plays in Washington and kill him. Just strangle the life out of his body. JD McKissick had 13 carries for 51 yards. He's not killing you. I mean, and Dwayne Haskins, three for 28, 9.3 yards per carry. This is what he did in college. He ran a spread type of offense, run the damn football. Haskins, 295 yards, a touchdown and two picks. I would argue that it cost him the game. Logan Thomas, 13 catches for 101 yards is turning into a really nice tight end. A really good playmaker. Okay. Are, Are we good? Yeah, I was just saying that he was a stud, and oh, I liked yeah. him. Yeah, a stud. He, he is studly, kind of like me. Uh, Terry McLaurin, <laughs> seven receptions for 77 yards. J.D. McKissick, nine catches for 56 yards and a touchdown. Payne Barber had the other touchdown on the ground. It's it just garbage. And the other eye-popping stat here, Randy, was no sacks by the Washington Football Club. Mm-hmm. Got plenty of pressure on Wilson, but Wilson do what we thought he was going to do. Now, well, let's flip the script to the Seattle Seahawks. And like Leon said, I mean, I'm not sure if you've seen any of this game, Randy, but it was pretty egregious. Haskins missed the wide open go-ahead touchdown. I mean, it, it was wide open. And Haskins sucks. And I'll talk about Haskins in a minute. Um, Russell Wilson, 18-27 and 27 for 121, a touchdown and a pick. Just hasn't been the same. I don't know what the hell's going on with them. But Chris Carson, 15 for 63. Carlos Hyde, 2 for 55 and a touchdown. Russell Wilson had 6 for 52. No touchdowns there. DK Metcalf, 5 catches for 43 yards. Tyler Lockett, 4 for 34. Oh, excuse me. And Jacob Hollister, 2 for 17 and a touchdown. All the explosiveness seems to be gone from this offense. I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't feel it. It hurts inside. Jamal Adams had seven tackles and a sack. LJ Collier had a sack. Carlos Dunlap had a sack. Major, major signing there. So you got to be impressed with uh, LJ Collier and Carlos Dunlap there. And 
Alton Robinson with a sack. So Seattle's getting production out of their defense. But I just go back to you cannot throw the football 55 times with Dwayne Haskins because you know what he's going to do after the game, Randy? Mm. Do you know what he's going to do? Uh, is he going to go party at a strip club uh, during a pandemic? And he's going to dance with strippers. And you know, just, you know, the most obtuse of the obtuse. What is, what is Ron Rivera going through this year? Uh, I believe he is a recovering cancer patient. Yes. He's immune compromised still with the chemotherapy. And this jackass goes to a nightclub and dances with strippers. I would cut his ass immediately. That's all I got. Here, like, look, if you you can disagree with the with the rules or think like the the shutdowns or everything doesn't work. That's a whole nother conversation. At the very least, you have to respect a couple things. The NFL has very strict COVID-19 protocols that, in fairness, have worked. Like, we've gotten to this point because what they've put together for the, the COVID-19 protocols this year. And two, you don't have any respect for your players' families, the coaches, the coaches' families, or your own head coach, like you said, who is specifically high risk in this situation. It's just – it's not a good look for Dwayne Haskins. And on top of all of that, you're going out and you're partying after a loss, a loss that should not have been a loss, a game that you could have easily won. That that would drive me up a wall uh, if I was a Washington football team fan. I think you got to cut ties with him at this point. It's just how many times is he going to make you look bad? I believe it's three times already in less than two years. So Haskins is proving that he's not a professional. Uh, got to send him out the door. So uh, And he called Riverboat Ron. Maybe he was just you know, gambling a little bit by letting uh, Haskins throw 55 times. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Seattle playing a one o'clock game on the East coast was alarming to me. And I think that would have had an effect on how they perform as well. All right, moving on now to, and I just want to take a moment for bills fans, for jets fans, for dolphins fans, for fans of the AFC. I just wanted to just breathe it in and appreciate it because an, an era is over with the reign of terror is gone. The Patriots are no longer the bane of your existence because for the first time in what feels like 20 years, the Patriots have been eliminated from the postseason. I know it's the first time since 2008 because that's what Tom Brady tore his ACL, but that that year they would have made the playoffs. They were still in 11 and five that year. They still were annoying as a football team. The Patriots are a bad football team this year and it is glorious. And the Miami Dolphins, eliminating the New England Patriots from the playoffs. It just feels so good to say that they're not even going to make the playoffs. Uh, it's pretty, pretty awesome actually. Cause I'm someone who lives in New York. I hate all Boston sports teams. So this is pretty cool. Uh, the Patriots have been uh, obviously pretty prominent, pretty dominant for a long time. So this is a, a cool day. The Miami dolphins getting the job done 22 to 12 over said Patriots to a tongue of my 20 of 26, 145 yards, no touchdown and, and a pick. And this goes back to what Jacob, um, our friend Jacob Moses always says that rookie quarterbacks against Bill Belichick uh, always struggle. And uh, this is just another example of that. Like Tua, I never thought looked too sharp in this game. Uh, he looked, he made some plays with his legs. Like I, I, he ran for a touchdown. It was really what really nice play. He, he uh, juked out a linebacker completely out of his shoes and then dove into the end zone. He had, 
two rushing touchdowns in this game, actually. So two did get the job done on the ground. And the Dolphins as a whole, honestly, getting the job done. Uh, Sylvan Ahmed, or Ahmed, 23 of 122 for 122 and a touchdown. Matt Breida, 12 for 86. Patrick Laird, 2 for 20. They ran the ball 42 times for 250 yards. That is how you get the job done when you have a rookie quarterback, especially who has his weapons out and hurt in this game. Um, and the Miami defense has been very good all year and they continue to play really well in this game. They, they forced a couple turnovers and actually they're not even labeled, listing the one turnover, but Cam Newton runs for a first down gets lit up on the sideline. The ball stayed in bounds. Um, but then the lineman that was running out hit his leg. They said it wasn't out of bounds. Uh, and Xavier Howard had returned it all the way back for a touchdown. That would have been another turnover, but the dolphins don't miss any opportunity to hit you to, to hurt you. You know, they, they, they are just fundamentally sound. Uh, I love their aggressive defense. Cam Newton, 17 to 27, 209 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Looking like a one-and-done experiment for him. I uh, don't really know what the future looks like for him. You've been pretty adamant, Matt, that you you were, didn't want Cam Newton. You did not think he was going to be very good. Hats off to you. You were right on that call because he's been pretty bad all year. And the Patriots, uh, not going to spend too much time on him because you know what? Uh, we don't want to talk about non-playoff teams too often on this show. So, hey, you had your time, New England. Uh, you you got the greatest uh, – you were the beneficiary of the greatest call or no call in the history of the sport in that 2002 playoff game against the Raiders. And 18 years later, it's coming to an end. So, no more Tom Brady, no more playoffs. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to last, so I'm just going to appreciate this for as long as I can. Na, 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 <laughs> na, na, na. Goodbye. Get your asses out of here, New England. Oh, it's a new day, Randy. It's a new day in the NFL to be dominated by the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, speaking of domination, <laughs> domination, this complete and utter destruction. The Jacksonville Jaguars, this game was huge on so many different levels. Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> we are going to touch on that a little bit later because this was monumental for the Jacksonville Jaguars organization. I sense we talked about a new day in the NFL. Well, it's going to be a new day for the Jaguars, I bet. They lose to the Baltimore Ravens 40-14. to This game was awful, and Lamar Jackson spotted them an interception to start. Whoo, as Ric Flair would say, Minshew mania. <laughs> You're going to see a lot of Gardner Minshew, maybe a little bit of Mike Glenn sprinkled in there, but 22 of 29, 226 yards, two touchdowns, all garbage time touchdowns. That's the typical story we see from Gardner Minshew. <sighs> Felipe Melicio, we're sorry about your uh, James Robinson performance. It, it pretty much sunk his chances and the carriage turned into a pumpkin 16 for 35 yards no touchdowns he had three catches for 18 yards and a touchdown but not enough to turn the tide dj chark four catches 53 yards tyler eifert three for 51 chenault jr five for 43 and chris conley had the other touchdown 13-yard reception for a touchdown, garbage time as usual. Lamar Jackson, 17 of 22 for 243 yards, three touchdown, Randy. Three touchdowns for Randy there and one interception. It was pretty ugly, but he also had 10 carries for 35 yards and a touchdown on the ground. 
14 carries for J.K. Dobbins for 64 yards and a touchdown. Where was J.K. Dobbins all year? Like, what the hell, Baltimore? But that's okay. Hollywood Brown, six catches, 98 yards. Mark Andrews, five for 66 and a touchdown. Des Bryant, Randy. Des freaking Bryant. Our fellow admin in football life, Sandra, Sandra Rivera's boyfriend, Des Bryant, as we joke about that. Um, one catch, 11 yards, and it was for a touchdown. So dig that man out of his grave. Miles Boykin had one catch for four yards and a touchdown. Baltimore's back, baby. Nine and five. They're in the hunt. They need a lot of things to go right to win this division, but I have a feeling, Randy, we're going to have some chaotic times in that AFC North at the end of the year. No doubt. I mean, what year is it? You got Des Bryant scoring a touchdown, Antonio Brown scoring a touchdown, Frank Gore scoring touchdowns. Like, I, is this 2020 or what's going on here? I believe it's 2014. Okay. That, that makes more sense in that, that aspect. All right. Uh, moving on to uh, one of the games of the day, if not the game of the day, to, and this could be a Super Bowl preview still to me, even though I don't really like some of the things I saw in this game from either some of the teams, uh, both teams involved, I should say. Uh, we're going to get to it, though. Chiefs 32, Saints 29, uh, and Pat Mahomes just super efficient. Twenty, well, Not efficient with the passing, but no turnovers again. I mean, 26 to 47, 254 yards three touchdowns against the top five defense I mean that there's a ridiculous stat that he's nine and oh against top 10 defenses in his career and averages 29 points a game I mean that he's guy is just ridiculous um they're getting the job down the ground Clyde Edwards Elaire 14 for 79 he left this game with an injury uh that they said test came back negative for but then when he comes out Le'Veon Bell speaking of throwing throwing back the clock is it 2014 uh 15 carries 62 yards and a touchdown for Le'Veon Bell and then Pat Mahomes adds seven for 37 for himself as well Travis Kelsey continuing his all pro season eight for 68 and a touchdown uh and they just have weapons and weapons and weapons for days Mahomes did lose a fumble on this one uh the storyline of this game Drew Brees making his return uh, and the, with the rib issue, and you could tell it, it kind of affected him. He started 0 for 5 in this game. He had finished just 15 to 34 for 234 yards, did throw three touchdowns, and had one pick. Look, I, I had issues with Breeze's arm strength before he got hurt. It's clear that his physical physicality is declining each and every week, and you can tell. You can just see it. I mean, even if you don't know football, you don't know quarterback play, the, the physical attributes just are not there for Drew Breeze. Uh, Alvin Kamara, 11 for 54 on the ground uh, and three for 40 in the air and a touchdown. But I mean, I worry about the Saints because this isn't the first time they've been run all over. The Packers ran all over them as well. Philly ran all over them. And if Drew Brees, if we get this uh, version of Drew Brees and they're going to play outside, they're going to play at Lambeau, they got to play, you know, Washington, somewhere in the, in the cold winter, uh, they are going to struggle. And I just, I don't really trust them that much as far as like they have a good pass rush uh i know uh cam jordan got ejected in this game which hurts their pass rush big time and, and their run run defense honestly but um michael thomas gonna get put on ir i believe did get put on ir so that's a big loss even if he wasn't having a good year he still opened up things for other people so the saints 10 and 4 gonna be the two seed probably but i'm not confident in them uh in the playoffs and i and i know like you're, you're a chiefs person you, you don't like the chiefs and you're rooting for them to fail uh 
I'll say this. I don't like how their defense let the Breeze and the Saints linger in this game. I think they really should have put this game away. They should have won this game by two touchdowns. And for some reason, Breeze was able to make this game interesting late and make it a uh, a three-point game. So uh, if you have any sort of knock on the Chiefs, it probably is on the defensive side of the ball. But I just think that Chiefs offense is good enough to beat anyone, regardless of how well the Chiefs play on defense. Matt, uh, I know you're the biggest fan of the Chiefs, and you don't think they're going to lose ever. Um, The defense, to me, is the only kind of thing I, I would question. To me, it's just, I don't, I try not to read too much in it. Like, they almost get too comfortable at times. Like, I, I think these next two games could be pretty brutal if you're a Chiefs fan, because it might get a little frustrating because they probably won't play with a significant edge, knowing they have that number one seed locked up. It, it just, it, it doesn't matter. And I don't think that's what people realize enough of. They are good enough that they ran the ball, what? I think uh, Edwards Hilaire had. 41 times? Yep. Like, they, they ran the ball 41 fucking times. They can run on you. They can pass on you. However your defense needs to be exploited, they can do that. They are perfectly built to take advantage of every NFL rule in this era. If, if we're going back 20 years, I don't like the Chiefs that much because you can mug wide receivers, you can do different things, and you got to be able to play really strong defense. This NFL, shit, Chiefs are made for it. They are built for this. They will not lose another meaningful game. They will be your 2020 season Super Bowl champions. It's just in the stars. And the Saints. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. uh, That fourth quarter, Drew Brees was on that morphine drip. There is no chance enough. This guy looked awful. Awful, Randy. There was nothing there that made you think that, oh, my God, Drew Brees looked pretty good in that fourth quarter. It was dog shit. All yeah, Breeze is going to be calling games with Mike Tirico next year. I have no doubt about it. And I love Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, but uh, I like Tirico a lot. And I think that is going to be a really good booth for a long time. Uh, and we're going to enjoy a lot of Sunday night football games with those guys. But Breeze, you know, I said that that injury was a career ender and it's looking like that, that's the case. All right. Speaking of career enders, let's bury Kirk Cousins and bear <laughs> down Chicago Bears. The Bears put it all over the Vikings. It, it was more comfortable than I thought it was going to be. The score said 33 to 27, but it really never felt that close. The Bears just did whatever they wanted offensively. At one point, Randy, they scored on every single drive. Seven consecutive drives they scored on if you take away the kneel down going into halftime. So let's take that drive out. Seven drives. The Bears offense scored on seven consecutive drives. I don't remember the last time I've even seen that from this team. It's like a whole new era. I don't know what world I'm living in. The Bears couldn't score more than 18 points a game the first eight games, and now they're averaging 34 points a fucking game. I don't know what the hell world I'm living in, Randy. I don't know what happened here. Um, The Bears defense is absolute dog shit right now, and I'm going to point out Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson is gutless, ballless, whatever you want to call him. He had opportunities to lay the wood, hit the running back. Dalvin Cook stopped the wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, and he just continually shies away from the contact. He doesn't make the play that needs to be played. I don't know if he got paid and he doesn't think he has to play, but you need to make those tackles. You need to break up those passes. You need to be physical, and he's not. And he's been one of the things that's been killing this defense. Defensive line played fine. They held Dalvin Cook to – 
you know, I don't want to say held them, but Dalvin Cook had a big game, 24 for 132 yards and a touchdown. They got to play. Eddie Goldman's a huge loss. I, I don't want to downplay that. Eddie Goldman on this defense, I mean, he's needed. But Kirk Cousins, 24 of 35, 271 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. I, I just There's so many things that the Bears could have done defensively to stop the Vikings. It wasn't very impressive, but let's give it up for Mitchell Gopiski. 15 for 21, 202 yards, a touchdown, a pick. The pick was bad, but outside of that pick, Randy, he played a fantastic game of football. He threw a couple of very beautiful passes, and you have to be really impressed watching him play the quarterback position because guess what they're doing? They're rolling him out, waggles, bootlegs, all this other fun stuff. But the star of the game, Randy... He wasn't undrafted. He wasn't drafted in the seventh round. He wasn't drafted in the sixth round. He wasn't drafted in the fifth, fourth, or third. He was a second round pick. And damn it, David Montgomery is making a name for himself in today's NFL. 32 carries, 146 yards, two touchdowns, a magnificent game. Goat Bisky had eight carries for 34 yards. This offense is dangerous when he does that. Allen Robinson, four for 83. Darnell Mooney is really underrated. Four for 49 in a touchdown. Cole Komet, two for 12. Like to see a little more production out of their tight end. But the story of the game is Justin Jefferson, as Leon mentioned in the comments. Come on, Kirk, throw the damn ball. As you see when the pass got broken up, just... Kirk Cousins just he doesn't play well against the Chicago Bears. By the way, the Bears are seven and seven now. A real shot. We need a Cardinals loss. I think we're gonna get it. Watch out for the Bears. It's amazing how things changed just a couple of weeks ago where both of our teams were five and seven and uh I was looking up and you were looking down and uh now look at where we are. Uh <laughs> David Montgomery, second round pick, not the second overall pick and pretty disappointing career to this point. So yeah, good for David Montgomery and uh, every team got to run the ball. I don't care who it's with, got to run the ball on offense. Uh, it is the fundamental basis on how to establish anything on the ground uh, and it sets up so many other things. All right, we're going to move on. I don't know if our friend Jacob Anthony Moses is watching, but God, I hope he is, or maybe not, maybe for his sake, I hope he's not because in 2020, just about anything can happen, including the goddamn Jets can get a win in a football game. And coming in one of the more unlikely scenarios against the Los Angeles Rams, uh, who I thought coming before this game were a team that could have made a run in the NFC with their defense. I don't love the quarterback situation, but I like the coach, which, you know, I'd take a lot of that back at this point because you lose to this Jets team. And, and Sean McVay said it. Um, it's embarrassing. You can't lose to the Jets. And if you're a Jets fan, and I'm just going to set it up now, Jets win this game 23 to 20. This is one of the years that you have a quarterback coming out of college who is widely considered to be a generational guy. And we throw around generational with so many guys, and you, you don't, it would be probably overused. But there's a guy probably once every 10 years who is special like this. It was Andrew Luck 
in 2011 with the the Colts and the Colts hit the lottery because they went from Peyton Manning to sucking for a year and then getting Andrew Luck. Uh, and in any other year, one win would probably get the job done for the Jets. But this year with how bad the Jaguars are, you lose the number one overall pick and you're going to lose Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is Andrew Luck mixed with uh, more, a more like a, a better athlete on the ground because he can really run. Someone said that they, they compared him to a mixture of Luck, John Elway, and, uh, and and another guy, but like and Joe Montana. And I'm like, I don't know that he's the mixture of all those guys. Those are three of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen. But he is special. He is franchise altering. Like I know you're the Jets, but this guy could have changed everything. Like you have cap space coming up. You still have good players. You have good players coming back. You already have your left tackle. Like things could have changed on a dime for the Jets when you have a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, you go 0-16, who cares? Like, the Lions went 0-16, and then they got Matt Stafford, which you never won a playoff game with Matt Stafford, but you got there. You're more relevant. You made the playoffs three or four times, and Matt Stafford's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. So I don't think the Lions truly regret that situation because, like, Matt Stafford is an all-time great for that franchise. You're the Jets. I, no player is going to just willingly lose. I, I understand that. They're not going to get out there and just not try and all that stuff. Like, you players have personal pride. You got to put good tape out there. You want to get another contract from someone. I understand that. But Adam Gase just randomly dialing it up one time a year and making smart play calls and making Darnold look like a good quarterback. Like, I would have fired Adam Gase right after that game and said, you're an asshole. Like, what, like you've been so terrible this whole time, and now you want to just pretend like you know what you're doing. That's ridiculous. Uh, and Frank Gore, too. <laughs> we made the joke in the chat that at least, you know, their future, the running back of the future is the guy who made the play. At the end, they just needed one first down. Frank Gore breaks, like, three tackles, gets the first down, gets up, and he's, like, so happy to win a game. Good for Frank Gore, I guess. Um, but, you know, 23 of 59 for him when a touchdown for Frank Gore. But, you know, if I'm a Jets fan, uh, I'm not that happy with this win. And it is 100% on the draft. Like, I understand, like, oh, you, uh, losing is a culture, blah, blah, blah. Like, look, the Giants beat the Reds, uh, the Washington football team. They were the Redskins when it happened. In a meaningless game last year in Week 16, it was dubbed the Chase Young Bowl. And now they got the fourth pick instead of the second pick. They get Andrew Thomas, who is okay. Sure, whatever. He's up and down. But you could have got Chase Young. You could have got a, a pass rusher that you so desperately needed who's going to be really good for a long time. And for what? So you go 4-12 and 12 instead of 3-13? Uh, to me, like, you got to look at the bigger picture here. And if I'm a Jets fan, I know it's like, well, it's hope. It's not guaranteed. He's great. It's, it's almost a sure thing that Trevor Lawrence is going to be awesome. He does so many things at the collegiate level. And you look for traits. He makes right decisions. He extends plays. He has every imaginable arm ability, accuracy, and strength that you want in an NFL quarterback. And you shit all over yourselves. Like the, the issue with the Jets is so incredible. I guarantee you, I, if I am the Jaguars, everyone's on the COVID list. And I'm going to get to that later when I do my lock of the week, because I can guarantee you, I know one team ain't winning on Sunday. The Jets screwed, the, like, everything. The excuses were built in, Randy. Hey, it's a COVID season. Guys are getting COVID. You don't know. Close contact. Hey, someone in our building had COVID. A mysterious mm -hmm. guy had COVID. He just came here to deliver a package. But he had COVID, damn it. <laughs> and he ran into all of our players. You you were all in 13. You were there. Three more games. You knew you were firing gays. Your whole culture was going to change anyway. What the fuck were you thinking? 
Like, I cannot believe the stupidity. And this is why bad teams are bad. This is why stupid franchises are stupid. The Colts knew, hey, Pay Mang's out with a neck injury. Let's make sure we move heaven and earth to be as bad as possible to get Andrew fucking luck. And guess what? They extended their window by another 10 years or another seven years. You know, if Andrew Luck would have stayed healthy, you know, like stupid teams are stupid. And the Jets are a stupid team. Congratulations. I hope you have fun with two tackles and having Frank Gore Sr. and Frank Gore Jr. running behind them. Congratulations. Uh, I re- that's, what, that's, what the whole, that's what this is leading to. It's going to be the Wildcat with Frank Gore Jr. and Sr. just running things back there for them by 2024. Uh, look, your only hope if you're a Jets fan is the Jags somehow uh, beat the Bears this week, which I know you're not going to let other things gonna happen. Uh, or maybe the Colts just say, hey, we're in the playoffs week 17. We're not going to play for anything. Maybe try to give the Jags another win. That's your only hope here um, if you're the Jets. As far as the Rams go, and Leon brought it up, they had a chance to kick the field goal to tie the game late, and they decided not to do it. Didn't make a ton of sense at the time. Still doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, they had a – I mean, once they, they scored 10 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, and I thought they were going to win this game. I was like, all right, cool, good effort, Jets. Same thing with the Raiders. Now you're going to lose. Good job, whatever. Um, and no, and the Rams just said, you, you thought, you know, we're going to lose this game. I mean, as much as you want to try to lose this game, we're going to lose this game. And Jared Goff is the perfect guy for this sort of thing because <laughs> – he seems to just figure out new ways to be just painfully mediocre when it, when it counts. I mean, he's 22 or 34, 209 yards and a touchdown. And he has got that slender man look back there. And he's got the SpongeBob headset thing going on with McVay. And look, the Jets front, the Jets front is actually solid, but the Jets secondary is so bad. You got to make some plays here, man. Uh, you know, you got, you got some, you got, we were talking about Cooper Cup and Robert Woods being underrated. Those guys barely didn't even crack 100 yards together. And you got to get the ball to those guys more. And they ran the ball okay, but not enough against the Jets, like I said. Um, but the Rams, super disappointing. Really, it just kind of makes me doubt their any sort of chance that they have in the playoffs. Hurts their chances of winning the division, too. They have a game against Seattle coming up. That was huge for that division now, but man, the Jets. <laughs> The gap between the Lawrence and Fields is gigantic. and Grand Canyon-esque. Yeah, and you don't want to pick a guy from Ohio State. I understand that. It's got the USC stink, kind of what like Darnold has now. And now you're looking like, oh, can we trade back? Look, I, I, I root for a team that had the second overall pick recently. You don't always think you're going to get what you think you're going to get. And who's trading up to get number two? I mean, everyone wants number one. Who, what, what do they want number two for? I just don't think the gap between the first pick this year and the second pick is monumental. Uh, it's not like there's a Chase Young sitting there for you to take number two overall. So if I'm a Jets fan, I'm sorry. I know you, the whole point is to win, but this is a big, big time blow for the future of your franchise. Well, moving on to a team that has started their future already. The Philadelphia Eagles lose to the Arizona Cardinals, Randy. And I think this buries their playoff hopes. They are now 4-9-1. They lose to the Arizona Cardinals 33-26. and And surprisingly, this is probably the game of the week. They're very entertaining. Yeah, very entertaining. A lot of back and forth game. Jalen Hurts looks pretty damn good. Kyler Murray looks good. You know, just breaking down the numbers, old Jalen Hurts went 24 of 44, 338 yards, three touchdowns. A lot of that damage done in the second half. Miles Sanders, 17 for 64. Jalen Hurts, 11 for 63 and a touchdown. 
Zach Ertz, two for 69. Um, Alson Jeffrey, two for 63. Jalen Rigor, not a whole lot you saw with Carson Wentz, but with Jalen Hurts, five for 49. Quez Watkins, three for 40 and a touchdown. I mean, Dallas Goddard, four for 39. You talk about a guy spreading the football around. Greg Ward, I never heard of you. Four for 15 and two touchdowns. Have a day. But just still not enough against this Arizona Cardinals team where Kyler Murray goes 27 for 36, 406 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. This kid has got star MVP written all over him in the future. They still can't run the football. Chase Edmonds, 11 carries for 47 yards. Murray, 8 for 29 and a touchdown. Kenyon Drake, 10 for 26. But DeAndre Hopkins, when he plays like this, they are tough to beat. Nine for 169 yards and a touchdown. Larry Fitzgerald had three for 35 and a touchdown. And Chase Edmonds had three catches for 19 yards and a touchdown. So really spreading the ball around. Kyler Murray, so good. Arizona is going to have to win their next two games. It's going to be tight. We that seven seeds up for the grabs. Really, it's Cardinals and Bears vying for it. So mm-hmm. it will be an entertaining last couple of weeks with those two. Yeah. I mean, to me, the Cardinals feel like a playoff team, uh, despite this Bears late surge for them. But um, I, I look with the seven team here, you, you get, it gives you another opportunity. So you don't really know what can happen. And I know the Bears get a gift with the Jags this week, but uh, I, I would prefer to see the Cardinals in the playoffs. I just think they're more entertaining, but I understand I, I do the show with the Bears fans. So uh, go, go Bisky. I was going to say, go, go Bisky. We live in the times of Go Bisky. You never really know. They can get frisky. Uh, you, you know, the wild card weekend on Nickelodeon, you might get another. Double doink, who knows? I think that the Bears make playoffs are getting that Nickelodeon game for sure. All right. You just had to go there, didn't you? Well, look, someone's got to get the Nickelodeon game. Well, and, uh, well you just you just had, had to go double doink, didn't you? This is the first playoff memory that comes to mind. It was the last time you saw the Bears in the playoffs. Not today, Randy. Not today. Look, you, you want to bring up a yacht photo? Because that was the last time I saw the Giants in the playoffs. So. <laughs> No, I don't want to bring up a yacht photo. Okay. I mean, you want to, we can take shots if you want. Uh, all right. Uh, we got to move on. Uh, we're going to do some news now before we get into the previews. Unfortunately, a, a we lost a legend in the football world yesterday. Kevin Green, Pro Football Hall of Famer, played 15 years for four teams from 1985 to 2000 or to 1999. He, he has an undisclosed reason, but you know he he, he passed away yesterday at the age of 58. Uh, he he was an all, on the All Decade team for the 90s. He's third at all time in sacks. He had three seasons with 14 or more sacks. He played for the Rams, the Panthers, the Niners, and the Steelers, and was a coach for the Packers and Jets post career. Won a Super Bowl with the Packers uh, in 2010 as a coach. Uh, Matt, I don't have a, a ton of memories with Kevin Green. My my future father-in-law, Greg Riley, does. He said he got to see him in Lambeau a couple of times, had his jersey uh, when he was younger. So he uh, obviously was someone who meant a lot to him. But uh, obviously a pro football legend nonetheless, Matt. Uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you comes to your mind when you think of Kevin Green? A whole hell of a lot. That was right in my football watching days. Um, mm-hmm. I loved watching Kevin Green and Greg Lloyd play on that uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. They called it Blitzburg. It was such a good defensive front that they were dominant defensively. They went to a Super Bowl. Kevin Green would wreck games. Like you cannot watch a game and not see Kevin Green play. Then he went to the Carolina Panthers. 
equally as impressive. Uh, just really an awesome player. I know he finished his career with, with another team, but you just talk about, like you hear stories about the man and the individual. A lot of people that may not know or may not remember, he was a professional wrestler too mm-hmm. back in WCW when uh, Steve McMichael was out there <laughs> wrestling as well. But Kevin Green was such a magnetic personality. Like he just was built to be a football player and then a pro wrestler. He just kind of had that aura to him. And really you listen to Clay Matthews talk about him as a position coach and everything that he did to benefit his career. Um, Big fan of the Pat McAfee show. They have, they have AJ Hawk on there and just how personable and how great of a person Kevin Green was and how playful he was. You just hear all these stories about him and, and you talk about rarely does the man live up to the legend, but Kevin Green lived up to the legend in every aspect yeah, I mean, he's got the long, flowing blonde hair. Like, I think Clay, him and Clay Matthews have, like, had that connection with the hair. I mean, uh, I think the one thing that I remember, I'm a little bit younger, so I do remember him specifically as a Packers coach. And I watched a bunch of, like, uh, NFL uh, 100s or these, like, NFL Network documentaries about all these super. Super Bowls and there was a moment between him and Matthews in that Super Bowl in 2010 against the Steelers and he said he goes up to Matthews and he's like hey it's time now to, to end it and, and like the Steelers were gaining momentum and then uh, Matthews forces a fumble on Rashard Mendenhall I think it was Mendenhall at the time and then they basically the Packers ended it from there but Green kind of had that pep talk for Matthews and I was like that's so funny because like they're both got the hair and they're both intense and great pass rushers at the, in their own right at the time uh, and uh, but that was fitting that's kind of how I remember him I do have some memories of the WCW stuff because I remember a bunch of uh, football players being in wrestling. So I, I kind of remember that too, but uh, Stefan to it uh, plays for the, the, the Steelers. Now where's number 91, which was Kevin Green's number, which I'm shocked it's not retired, but uh, Stefan to it does wear that. And he posted, he goes, it's an honor to represent this legendary number today for you and for your family. I'll make you guys proud. First Kevin Green, a legend. So Unfortunately, we lost a legend in the pro football world at age 58. Uh, reasons are unknown. So, all right, moving on now to Panthers news. They fired their GM, Marty Herney, the, the second time around. Marty Herney was the team's first ever GM in 2002 when they became a franchise back in 96. And now that he's been – and then they hired Dave Gettleman, and now he, he came back. So they uh, decided to go take the franchise into a different direction. To me, the ownership uh, had some interesting quotes. They said uh, they were going to evaluate what this role means for the franchise moving forward because other teams integrate head coaches and GMs together. So maybe they won't call them a GM, maybe a, a special counsel for a front office situation. Because to me, this is going to be Matt Rule's uh, roster construction. I think that they're going to give him full power, similar to Belichick, Bill O'Brien. I think this is going to happen with Joe Judge. So I don't think they're going to hire a GM. I do think they're going to hire an assistant, someone who helps with scouting someone who's like a draft consultant um but to me uh this feels like they're just shifting the, the responsibility to matt rule and using their four and ten situation as a reason to move on from marty herney yeah uh, i think matt rule really is going to have a lot of say in what happens going in you know in the future but like i said there's a lot of unanswered questions here they probably do need a better quarterback of the future uh teddy bridgewater I could see maybe him doing one more year without them drafting a quarterback this year to get the other positions right. And then maybe use some draft pick ammo to move up in the next draft to get a guy that they really like. Um, I think Sam Howell out of North Carolina will be coming out, not this year, but next year. 
who's really good at the quarterback position. I really like what he has to offer, but, uh, you know, it, it's not unusual. I think there's going to be more GMs fired this year, as we see with Houston and Detroit. Um, I, you know, now Carolina teams are trying to get on that Lewis Riddick train, even the Jaguars who uh-huh. interviewed Lewis Riddick today. So um, there's some names out there, and there's going to be teams trying to take advantage of it as soon as possible. So, yeah. But, you gave you gave Teddy Bridgewater a ton of money. I think that's a big big issue there. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a huge issue. I mean, we kind of saw Teddy as that guy, like you know, maybe from A to B, but not A to C. Uh-huh. And he kind of needs everything to go right. He needs playmakers around him. He's not going to elevate Curtis Samuel into the next tier wide receiver. So, yeah, part of the issue. Fun fact: since 2018, the Panthers are 16 30 post Dave Gettleman. Uh, but even funner fact: the Giants are 14 32 since 2018 with Dave Gettleman. So, <laughs> just the Dave Gettleman stink all over the place here in the yeah. NFL. <laughs> Wow. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that. Love that. Obviously, you know me. I love that so much. All right. So in news that no one cares about, but I'm going to talk about anyway, the Pro Bowl has been announced. Pro Bowl rosters for the AFC and the NFC. Uh, this game will not be played due to COVID-19 uh, protocols, which this is how I know the Pro Bowl does not matter. The NFL will play a Jaguars versus Jets game on Thursday night that no one's going to watch one second of, but they will not play the Pro Bowl because you know why? Nobody gives a shit about the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Nobody watches the Pro Bowl, and that's why they decided not to make this make everyone gather and play this game, which all things considered is probably smart. Um, but I, I'm going to share my screen here, I think, and show you some of the rosters and just get your initial thoughts. I don't want to spend too much time, but the thing that is alarming to me is uh, one player in particular in the NFC. But uh, as you see here, we got the AFC Pro Bowl roster, Matt. Uh, I'm sure you looked over this, but anything stick out to you? No, no I mean, it's pretty um, standard for the way things go. I, I like Chris Jones. I like Cameron Hayward. I like Calias Campbell. I mean, obviously, TJ Watt's been a stud. Um, Joey Bosa deserves all the accolades. Miles Garrett, Frank Clark. I mean, these are pretty much known names. I mean, if Travis Kelsey didn't make it, it'd be kind of a shame and sham. Mm-hmm. But no, man, these these are all names I expect. Maybe Josh Jacobs is the one name where you're like, yeah, no, man, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't think so. That's that's one that surprised me was Josh Jacobs because I don't think he's had a very good year. Uh, I'm not sure who you could replace him with in the AFC. Uh, there, the AFC doesn't have a ton of great running backs, so I, I guess I understand it. But Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, obviously, are the two guys that should make it. But uh, I guess you consider like maybe James Robinson, but I, I'm not going to put an undrafted rookie on there. That would be pretty surprising to me. But uh, overall, I think they got the AFC right here. Uh, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, that makes a ton of sense to me. Clayus Campbell's had a great, great year. Obviously, he had COVID-19 issues, but the, the Ravens defense is really good. Um, so I don't have a ton of issues with the AFC. Now we move over to the NFC is where I start to have more problems. And I immediately have one thing that sticks out to me. And it's this little guy right here, Evan Ingram as a tight end. Uh, the guy has less than 50 catches on the year, less than 600 yards, only has one touchdown and is, has key drops and turnovers almost every single week that cost the Giants games. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on here. Uh, it's not a, like, I don't want to kill Evan Ingram, but like he, he doesn't, he's not a pro bowler. He's just not like one of the best players in the league. To me, Robert Tanyan has the same stats basically with less yards, but he has 10 
10 touchdowns on the year. So I don't know why people didn't vote in Robert Tanyan, but of all the, t- the players in the Giants, they only have Evan Ingram and um, James Bradbury as pro bowlers. And I just don't think Evan Ingram's that deserving. Yeah, I, I, have, I, have, I have two issues here. And Evan Ingram is definitely one of them. That, that is just complete and utter bullshit. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't like it. I think it's horseshit. But with that being said, uh, granted, Khalil Mack made it. I don't necessarily agree with that, but you know, it's going to be fun. Like, if you, if you could imagine a team with Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald on the field at the same time, that'd be a lot of fun to see. But Roquan Smith out of the Bears, him not making it is really kind of surprising to me because he leads the NFL in tackles. He's been all over the place. Every Bears game you watch, he's kind of the guy that is flowing to the ball. So, you know, defensively, it's whatever. Also, you know, I do kind of question maybe Russell Wilson on the roster, but I can't think, you know, is Tom Brady better suited? Like, should Tom Brady have gotten that nod? Because Tom Brady's had a really good year. It's not like he yeah. was bad. And Russell yeah. Wilson's been bad for a few games now, you good know, point. throughout the season. So I'm not saying that Russell Wilson doesn't ever deserve to be on the Pro Bowl roster, but, you know, kind of like if I'm picking it, if I'm nitpicking there, I, I take Wilson out, I put Brady in. Yeah, uh, I mean, Justin Jefferson getting in, uh, I think a couple people thought um, – I'm trying to I'm, I'm blanking on the other guy that should have made it over him, but people were saying that there was another receiver that should have made it over him. I have no issue with Justin Jefferson making it in there. He's set rookie receiving records that were only had Randy Moss, so uh, I think that's deserving. And you'll notice uh, Justin Jefferson and Chase Young are the only two rookie pro bowlers this year, and I don't think anyone really has too much of an issue for that. Uh, I'm surprised that um, – Blake Martinez didn't get a little bit more love. I think he's third in the NFL tackles. He's really done a good job on the Giants defense. Leonard Williams in the front for the Giants has, has nine and a half sacks this year. I think he's been really good for the Giants, but you know, you have all these players in the front. Um, it's hard to replace them. So I'm not really going to fault them for that. So uh, Giants fans are mad that those two guys didn't make it, but I have no issues. I'm more angry that Evan Ingram did make it. <laughs> that, that guy, uh, that's crazy to me that Evan Ingram was a pro bowler in 2020. Okay. Uh, we got to move on now. Pro Bowl, no one cares about too much, but uh, we're going to talk a quick little college football segment here, Matt, because we don't talk about college football a ton, but we have some college football news because we're in the playoff now and the playoffs are set. The final four is controversial and for many reasons here, but you get Alabama, number one, Clemson, number two, Ohio State, number three, Notre Dame, four, setting up Alabama versus Notre Dame and Clemson versus Ohio State. I know people are mad about Notre Dame because they got killed by Clemson over the weekend in the ACC title game. I'm more angry that a six-win Ohio State team gets in and gets in over Notre Dame. Uh, That is bad precedent. I know it's money and the Big Ten's going to make money off of it, but that to me, I, I think you could have put AM in there over them. Cincinnati plays in a power, like a, 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 I don't know if it's Power Five, whatever it's called, but I would have liked the story of Cincinnati a little bit more. I'm just kind of over the Ohio State thing. Six wins. Are we serious with this? I, I have no desire to see Alabama and Clemson play for the national title again. I, I, I get it, Dabo and Nick Saban, but I'm tired of it. Ohio State, I have no idea how good they are, but you only played five or six fucking games. I don't want to see that. I don't care. And and then Notre Dame. Alabama's going to crucify Notre Dame. If they thought what Clemson did to them was bad, 
Alabama is going to kill them. And it's just, to me, here's my issue with the college football playoff. It's one game, right? One game, and you kind of have logistics and everything. Cincinnati deserves a shot. A&M deserves a shot. Mm-hmm. If this thing doesn't go to eight teams, it is completely illegitimate in my eyes now. Like, I know we give Vince Mercandetti a lot of shit about UCF, but they should have had a shot. Every one of these teams kind of deserves a shot, I think. And it's hard to crown a true national champion. I don't think it should go to 16. But no. by no means, 16 is too many. It, watered down, it waters down the product. You can do a really good 18 playoff. And then, then you can, you know, say, well, nine didn't do enough. But this is right. bullshit that Cincinnati and AM are left out. I think AM is one of the teams that, like, I thought that was a legit five seed that could have uh, actually won a game here. And uh, AM was eight and one in the SEC and really played a lot of those good teams tough. I mean, they, I think they were more deserving than Ohio State was. I understand they didn't win the conference. I understand that. But, uh, Notre Dame's not even in a conference. <laughs> they played in the ACC this year just because, and they got smoked in the conference championship game and whatever. And Notre Dame has a great defense, but they're going to get smoked by Alabama. So to me, the issue is Ohio State. You only play six games. I understand the COVID stuff, but you only play six games. You had a rule. You had to play a certain amount of games to make a playoff, and you changed the rule so Ohio State could get in there. I think that's nonsense. Uh, well, here's the thing about Cincinnati. They played the most top 25 opponents, beat yeah. all of them. They had the toughest schedule strength. You know, if there was the BCS, Cincinnati would have been number one if we used the BCS formula. And I get it. That's not used anymore. You have the committee. But sometimes you have to believe what's going, what's on the field. Cincinnati deserved a shot. Yep. And, you know, you always say like, oh, the NCAA tournament basketball, none of those guys really make it that far. Like, like oh, Chicago made it all the way to the final four just a couple of years ago. And I mean, most of the, the most of the time, the big guys end up winning the championship anyway. But what's exciting is those early roundup upsets. So Cincinnati could have beat one of these teams. I, I believe that. I don't think they would have won the national championship, but at least it would have been interesting to see them get a shot. Coastal Carolina, they could get a shot. That would have been cool too. I don't think they win those games, but it'd be cool to see Coastal Carolina in the final four or in, in the playoff. Uh, then you could get uh, Oregon or, or a Pac-12 team in there. I think Oregon won the Pac-12. You know, you could have got them in there. And then you get A&M in there who was super deserving. Florida played Alabama really tough the other day. They could have been deserving. So I think there's a big flaw in the college football playoff process because you get the same three, four teams every single year, it feels like. Uh, and yeah, we're going to get Alabama Clemson again. And look, I know they're the two best programs. I have no doubt about that, but it'd be nice to see some more teams get a shot. Um, excuse me, uh, a couple other bowl games I'm interested in. New Year's Day, Chick-fil-A Bowl, Cincinnati versus Georgia. Uh, I love Cincinnati. You, you laid out those reasons. They deserved a better bowl game than that. But New Year's Day bowls, you know, cool. Uh, I'm going to watch that game because uh, – I think that's a good matchup. And then also on New Year's Day, the Citrus Bowl, Auburn versus Northwestern. Okay, Northwestern, they they played Ohio State really tough in that, that, AC, that Big Ten championship game, but uh, couldn't get the job done. That game's not crazy interesting. And then the Orange Bowl, Texas A&M, North Carolina, that game's interesting. You could have made a case for North Carolina to be in a playoff because they were really good this year too. So uh, that game's really interesting too. Uh, where is this Rose Bowl? I can't find the Rose Bowl for anything. Uh, I, I I think the Rose Bowl is a national title game. Okay, it's not, and and instead of being at the Coliseum, it's going to be at Jerry World because California's uh, COVID nineteen restrictions. So yep, uh, yeah, 
that that that's to, like we obviously don't talk a ton of college football here, but I had some issues with the playoff thing. I'm more mad about Ohio State than I am Notre Dame, uh, but they got to work on something here. Uh, I don't know what the solution is, but something's got to change. All right, uh, we're not like I said, we're not doing uh, two shows anymore, so we're gonna do a quick. We're not gonna go through each and every game, but we're gonna just gonna talk a little bit about Week 16 coming up. We got Christmas Day on Friday. We have a Christmas Day game, which is the Vikings and the Saints. We got four consecutive days of football. We got three games on Saturday. We got a full slate Sunday, and then we have Monday Night Football once again. Matt, I'm just gonna ask you, what are some things you're looking forward to this weekend? Uh, and you know, what's some, what are some of the storylines, playoff scenarios, anything? Well, I, you know, I just to, to me, it's all about you know a couple of rivalries. 49ers against Cardinals. That's that's a huge game on a lot of different levels. You know, the Cardinals can bury the 49ers. They set the tone for that earlier in the year, so so that's going to be an important game. You know, Dolphins and Raiders. That game will have huge implications. Um, obviously, we have Colts Steelers, which is a really. I mean, really, there's a lot of good games out here. Obviously, I think we take a look at. Um, games that are not super competitive, but we do have Seahawks Rams, which is huge. We have Packers Titans, huge game. Mm-hmm. Um, Bills Patriots, not so much. You know, I, I think the Bills bury the Patriots officially, put the dirt on the grave. But, you know, I, the storyline here to me is always going to be, you know, Kansas City has the one seed locked up. So you have the Packers and the Saints. The Saints play the Vikings, and then you got the Packers playing the Titans. Both teams, Packers and Saints, struggle stopping the run. You know, it's an issue for both of these football teams. And we're going to see Tractor Cito against the Green Bay Packers. And I think that's going to be an upset. I think the Titans beat the Packers. Wow. And I think the Vikings beat the Saints. I think both the top two seeds lose and and start causes chaos. My lock, undisputed lock of the week, Randy. This team is going to win Sunday, no question about it. The Chicago Bears are going to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's going to be some shady shit going on in Jacksonville. Well, in Jacksonville, I cannot see the Jaguars blowing this opportunity. I just, I cannot imagine them trying to actually win this game. Yeah. Gardner Minshew, I, the only thing I could think of is like maybe he just puts the team on his back and somehow wins the game, but I have a hard time believing that they actually uh, will lose that, that game. Uh, and the, the Jags now, it's all in your hands now. Trevor Lawrence is yours. Just don't screw it up like the Jets did. So uh, it's, it's, it's another thing you're just watching now. Like well, these two teams are dumb. So who's going to outdumb one another? And so far it looks like the Jets uh, really outdid themselves with that. One thing I'm looking to here uh, is the Colts at Steelers because the Steelers obviously lost three in a row. The Colts are very well put together. They are 10 and four themselves. And here's a scenario that I've been kind of following up on on, on Twitter. The Steelers now are the three seed. They lose this game. Who's to say they don't just rest a lot of their guys week 17, concede the division to the Browns, and just say the, the difference between three and six doesn't mean much. You're going to be playing one of those same teams anyway. What matchup is really going to kill the, 
the Steelers in any, in any of those. I think they're all pretty similar teams to begin with. So that way you can kind of give yourself a chance to refresh and maybe become ready for the playoffs. Because if you come in, get smoked by the, the Colts, try to win the division against the Browns, lose to the Browns, then you're just free falling and you're banged up and you just have no momentum altogether. So that's an interesting scenario that I didn't really think about. The Steelers could go from the one seed all the way to the sixth seed here. <laughs> that would be wild, but it's possible. So I'm looking to see what kind of Steelers we get because if they can beat the Colts, then they obviously have a better, way better chance of winning the division. Or I think they might even solidify the division at that point. Uh, but regardless, you know, the Steelers need to figure something out here and what they want to do. Uh, the Giants get to go to Baltimore. Look, fun fact, my birthday is Sunday. So my birthday comes around every year, obviously, but it falls on a Sunday every five years or so with the leap years. My birthday was on a Sunday in 2015. The Giants got flexed to Sunday night football to play the Vikings. Odell got suspended because he got fought with Josh Norman the week before. And the Giants lost like 42 to 17 and Eli Manning threw three picks. It was awful. Uh, I expect this game against a different purple opponent to be similar. They are going to get smoked uh, in a just in a wonderful birthday present for me. Hey, if they lose bad enough, maybe they fired Gettleman. That would be that would be the gift of all gifts for me. That would be something. Uh, so I uh, <laughs> could only get, be so lucky. Uh, Carolina at Washington. Another thing I'm lo- looking at here because Washington, I don't know what they're going to do with Dwayne Haskins because if he got exposed, if he is positive, like they're going to have to test that guy like crazy in the next couple of days uh, to see what the deal is. If Alex Smith doesn't play, you're looking at like Chris Henneke playing quarterback for them uh, or Tyler Henneke, whatever his name is uh, playing quarterback. And that could really kill them. Like they right now, like you assume that they have the division locked down, but like their quarterback situation, it's a pretty big mess. So I want to see how that's like, that turns out for Washington. Yeah. Philly at Dallas, this game. I mean, look, either one of these teams wins this game, they're still very much alive in the division. Uh, I don't like, I like Dallas played better so far, but with Jalen hurts, the Eagles look like a whole different team. Um, and I, I really want to see LA versus Seattle and Tennessee versus Green Bay. I think those are really good matchups too. So uh, really interesting slate. Uh, Browns aren't going to lose to the Jets. No, don't even don't even worry about it. They're going to put the way to the Jets. Uh, and then the Chiefs home to Atlanta. That should be. I think they're kind of kind of cut a coast though, don't you think? Like the Chiefs are in full coast mode. Oh yeah, yeah. There's nothing for them to have to worry about. That Steelers yeah. loss was huge. They locked up home field advantage. It's done and over with for them. So, yeah, the Saturday matchups uh, Tampa at Detroit, San Fran at Arizona, Miami at Vegas. Uh, and the second game there, San Fran and Arizona is on, on prime video only. So, that's interesting to note. I didn't even realize. Which one's uh, on prime that, video only? Uh, Niners at Cardinals. Oh, all right. Yeah. So, I didn't even realize that. But the Friday, Christmas Day game, Vikings at Saints. Uh, 4.30, that's going to be competing with the NBA slate, which NBA typically dominates Christmas Day. So I don't know how much of that game I'll be watching, but I'm sure, you know, I'm a big sports consumer on Christmas Day. Uh, admittedly, even my family is like, really, you got to watch sports today? Like, yeah, you know, you got to do it. Uh, but <laughs> these teams always try to get my attention and, and they do it. As far as my lock of the week, unfortunately, I'm going to go Ravens over Giants. The Giants just are in a, uh, not doing too hot anymore. If Jones is out for the year. I Baltimore is playing a lot better. Lamar Jackson looks like the 2019 Lamar Jackson. So uh, the Ravens are uh, making this run at the postseason now. And I expect them to take care of business against the Giants. Uh, all right. Those are our locks. So we're only going to lock up one game each. I think that's fine. Normally we go through and break down each and every game. But like I said, with one game a week, uh, we just t- talk about some of the things that interest us to make a lock and then we move on. 
Uh, okay, we've been an hour, like more than 90 minutes into the show, Matt. Let's just do a quick fantasy update. We are in the finals now, right? Yeah, Randy, we're in the finals. And, you know, of course, the Chicago Bears screwed me on Sunday. <laughs> of all the games that they decided to run, David Montgomery, 32 freaking times for 146 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. Corey Decker had him. Congratulations to Corey. It was a fun matchup. Um, I always like playing against people I know. It adds that little bit of animosity and that little bit of trash talking. So congratulations to Corey. Well-earned victory. And he will be going against Chris Frederick, um, who beat Felipe Melicio. And really, it goes back to Chris had a gut feeling. You know, he forg- he was going to start Tannehill, but I think he forgot about it. So he ended up starting Jalen Hurts. Turned out to be the right decision. So he ends up beating Felipe, and now we have a Corey Decker versus Chris Frederick finals, Chicago versus Arizona. It was destined to be Arizona versus Chicago one way or the other. Yeah, uh, and this could be, you know, the winner is the team that makes it to the playoffs. So how fitting. Uh, maybe that could be a little foreshadowing. So True. that's cool. That's a good point. Congrats to, on those two for making the finals in a hard-fought season. Matt, you know, you fought to the end, but, you know, not all of us can be great. Uh, unlike Ricky Velasquez, whose greatness continues in the 10-team Audible League, he wins unbearable 10-3, the 1-seed, 276 to Brett Sanchez's 220, Ace Ventura. So uh, he moves on to the finals. And then Tim Massinio, the 2-seed, blows it. Actually, it doesn't really blow it. just gets smoked by Mac Attack, 305 to 192. So we get a finals of Ricky Unbearable against Mac Attack, who I can never really know the name of because he's logged in with a different account. So I apologize there, but one versus a three and an upset. So we're going to figure out how this goes. A two-week playoff. It looks like Ricky. I mean, he's been the one seed all year with the best team. So looking like he's going to take it home in that league. Uh, quick note in my own personal fantasy league, the only league I was alive in is a 14 team league that I'm current. I was the reigning defending undisputed champion of the world. Shout out to Paul Hammond. Uh, I score 159 points and have the best single week outcome I've had all year, only for my uncle to score 195 points. <laughs> it's just Josh Allen just destroying me on Saturday. Melvin Gordon getting two touchdowns. Like just, and I, it came down to me having Kyler Murray down 30 but him having DeAndre Hopkins. So it didn't matter how well Kyler played. I was going to just – all those points were going to come back to him with DeAndre, with DeAndre Hopkins. So it was a valiant effort for a title defense on my part, but it is coming to an end uh, in my league. So I'm going to have to give the trophy up, unfortunately. All right, so this is Christmas week, Matt. Uh, I know we have a basketball pod tomorrow, but we have an NBA tip-off today. Why don't you tell us about the rest of the shows under the uh, the Life Group umbrella? Well, with a step back podcast, you know, we're back in full bloom. I do believe that they will have, if I am correct on this, a episode this Wednesday, which is Christmas Eve Eve special. Yeah, the Christmas Eve Eve special, uh, the work shoot podcast, wrestling podcast on Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time um, with Corey Richmond and Jason Brooks. Then Sunday, we have the Total Basis podcast with Felipe Melicio and Sean Flannery. I have no idea what time they're on. It varies. So, Felipe, you're still listening. Please, in the comment section, verify what time you guys will be going Sunday, if at all. Maybe they're taking a hiatus because the White Sox just signed the number one international prospect, baby. 
Yoannis <laughs> Cespedes' half-brother. You got to be excited if you're a White Sox fan. We are stacked, baby. And then Monday, Dong Cities with Vince Mercandetti and Henry Maldonado Jr. They went yesterday. Um, I watched the show. Fun. Love it. Always a great listen. And, you know, of course, the Audible on Tuesday. Well, Felipe just commented they're off until next year. So no total oh. basis podcast Sunday. Yeah. What a shame. But don't ever tune us out. Randy Hammond, Matthew Bushnell, the Football Life presents the Audible. We're Grammy nominated, Oscar nominated, Emmy nominated, daytime sports talk nominated, <laughs> Razzie nominated. I mean, we just have trophy nominations all over the place, Randy. So tune in Tuesdays only now, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, well done. Uh, <laughs> check out Dog City last night if you can get the chance. The hot stove is. Not really fired up quite yet, but it's still getting a little interesting in the baseball world. So uh, I'm sure as we move into the winter, uh, the hot stove will heat up for sure. Uh, but yeah, you know, thanks for all the support this year. It's been a hell of a year, 40 episodes for us on the Audible, not even counting all the episodes we did as the Deep Thirds football podcast uh, before we switched over in April. So uh, it has been a heck of a year, wild year to start a podcast. So we are eternally grateful for all of the support and, uh, and it's a holiday week. So, you know, I hope you enjoy the time with your families. I hope you're staying safe and healthy and you make, uh, you know, you make responsible decisions and you guys get everything you want for Christmas. I hope Santa brings you whatever you want, uh, COVID free, especially. Uh, so, uh, again, thank you guys for all the support. The best gift you guys get for us is, uh, you get to watch us or listen to us and support us and doing what we love to do here. Cause I, I can speak for Matt too. We just love coming on here and talking football with you guys each and every week and you guys make it worth it. So thank you guys so much for that, Matt. Uh, I don't know what you and your family are up to this week, but I hope you guys have a wonderful and blessed holiday. Thank you, Randy. You as well. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it brings you a little bit closer together with the ones that you live with, with the social distancing and people not being advised. But if you cannot be with the people that, you know, you love, whether it's your parents, your sons, your daughters, your wives or girlfriends or wives and girlfriends, just call them, text them, let them know you're thinking about them as we will be thinking about all of you. Yeah, so this time of year, the thought is what truly counts. And, uh, you know, Christmas is a time where I spend usually with family and with, you know, my mom's side, my dad and all this stuff. And this year will be a little bit different and just happy to have them all around and uh, appreciate what I have around me for sure. So, Matt, it's been a pleasure to do this with you all year long. We got one more show in 2020 and then we're ready to go with the playoffs after that. So uh, it's been a pleasure. 2020 has been wild, but uh you know, we're, we're in this. So again, hope you guys have a wonderful holiday. If you celebrate it, Merry Christmas from all both of us here on the audible. Thank you guys for all the support on Facebook live on YouTube, on all the audio platforms. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Wherever you are listening, however you are listening. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. I'm Randy Hammond on behalf of Matt Bushnell saying Merry Christmas, happy holidays. And we'll see you guys next Tuesday.